everybody. Welcome to episode 5 of Monsters and Masterpieces. I am Raven, she, her. I am B, she, her. And today I want to talk about my main Gorgon gal, Medusa. (laughs) This is an episode that really started it all. I started researching Medusa years ago, hoping to make this podcast happen someday and uh, be able to share her story. I was going to put it on hold for a little while because I wanted to do it justice and it's one of those topics where I could go on forever, but in light of recent events, especially like what happened, well, by the time you listen to this, it's going to be 4th of July. Right now it was last Friday, um, overturning of uh, Roe versus Wade. I feel like uh, this is a time to talk about Medusa. And not just as a symbol of art and feminism, but as a person. It may sound ridiculous because she technically is a myth, but we wouldn't identify with her for millennia if we didn't see a part of her within ourselves. Mm -hmm. So let's start chipping away at this solid two-parter about the world's most notable Gorgon. (laughs) Woohoo! I'm excited. So this episode's going to work a little bit differently. I'm going to be talking about... uh, art very specifically today instead of um, kind of cultural things that led up to this image because Medusa is so old that we actually don't know why she exists. She predates um, like she was one of those stories that was told by word of mouth before Mm. like for a really long time before it ever got written down. So we don't know where Medusa came from. We just know that the Greeks considered her story sort of factual, um, as they did with a lot of uh, myths about the gods and um, the monsters. They felt like there was uh, a time when all of these gods and monsters roamed the earth, and it was just... A long time ago and it's something that they didn't need to worry about in their lifetime so that's pretty much all we know about Medusa's origins so Medusa and other female monsters transformed as the Greeks tried to achieve realism the changes in visual art also coincided with the literature at the time so we don't know like what inspired the art and then what inspired the writing. They kind of fed off of each other. This change began during the classical period, which was 480 to 323 BCE. They started gravitating towards this idealism and wanting to make art attractive. Going back to our first episode, even though monsters became less ugly, ugly in quotes, because, you know, their words, not mine. Um, (laughs) 
subjective. They, they, def- they defined monsters as ugly. Um, they were still different enough to represent anyone who has been othered. It was still believed that physical appearance reflected morals and character. Archaeologist Albert Furtwängler separated the visuals of Medusa into three time periods and aesthetics that he called the archaic, the middle, and the beautiful, which kind of sounds like a Real Housewives soap opera spinoff to me. Um, <laughs> gonna be honest. The good, the bad, the ugly. Uh... <laughs> the divorced, the jailed. <laughs> the scorned. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the archaic period, Gorgons, including Medusa, were depicted with bulging eyes, sharp teeth with tusks, a long tongue, wings, and facial hair. Huh. For some reason, not being able to tell if a monster was male or female and kind of having both features, for some reason, uh, seemed monstrous to the Greeks. So there was a lot of feminine body, masculine face happening. Interesting. When we do see her body, Medusa is looking at the viewer, but her legs are in profile, which was a way that the Greeks indicated fast movement. So like she'll be looking at you, but her her feet will be like running. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. It's like a scooby-doo or something (laughs) um yeah that was supposed to indicate speed uh medusa is one of the few greek figures to be depicted facing the viewer instead of in profile it makes the viewer confront medusa and reminds them of her power that she can turn them into stone Hmm. so when we think about clayware especially um, where there's a story wrapped around like a vase and everyone is in profile. Medusa is always looking out. Huh. It's very unusual for Greek art. Wow. Even though Medusa was considered evil and scary, her image was used to repel evil most of the time. After Perseus severed Medusa's head, he brought it back to Athena, and it was attached to a shield so they could use her power as a weapon. Her image was used in funerary art, jewelry, armor, and temple entrances and borders to keep evil away from sites, the dead, and individual people. So she was like a, a good luck talisman. But, like, against her will. Aw. Yeah. She was like a gargoyle. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, like a gargoyle. And, uh... It's something that happened, uh... For centuries. I mean, this is... BCE, I believe, the oldest known image of Medusa dates back to like 600 something BCE and so 
we have images of her there serving that purpose. And then we have cameos that were made with her image all the way into the early 1900s. Wow. That served that purpose. So her image was really, really constant for like thousands of years. Impactful. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Her image was also used on dishware as a sort of prank, which... Prank? Yeah. How is that a prank? So, like, if you're chilling at your friend's house and they give you a cup of wine and you down it and all of a sudden you look in the cup and you come face to face with Medusa, she's staring at, she's staring at you, which means your ass just got turned into stone. So your oh. buddies could razz you. And it was also the Greeks' way of saying, like, bitch, you're drinking too much. If you're looking at this face, you drank too much. (laughs) (laughs) Pranked ya. You just got pranked. (laughs) So that is a really fun, entertaining way that her image was used. Because uh, I remember one of my professors uh, talked about this and how people were genuinely afraid by the time they got to the bottom of the glass, like they would flip out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sure you're pretty inebriated at that point. And if you just like finish your wine and you look into your glass and you just see these big eyes at you, like staring at you, I'm sure that's like anybody else that's like inebriated, you know? Right. (laughs) Cause then you're just like, am I hallucinating? What is going on? Mm hmm. And that's, uh, that was something that they did with her image for centuries, too. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> right? Like, even the beautiful Medusa was used in that way. Wow. Yeah. Like, I could see the bulging eyes and the teeth and the tusks. Like, that'd be scary, especially after you're drunk on uh, Greek wine, especially, because potent stuff oh yeah i mean stuff had nothing like they had nothing to do but you know ferment in their own juices (laughs) and it was (laughs) common you know like they had a lot of wine um but like beautiful medusa at the bottom of glass it's like oh hey hey medusa (laughs) pleasant surprise less scary more like Hello. Yeah. What a coincidence meeting you here. (laughs) At the bottom of my class. (laughs) Care for another drink? (laughs) Bottoms up. So directionality becomes important in distinguishing the purpose of Medusa's image because she can look at you and threaten you or she can be facing away from you to protect you, even though she's not necessarily consenting to protecting you she's dead (laughs) decapitated unfortunately and uh, in terms of stories the earliest one that I found was uh, Homer's telling of her story around 750 to 725 BCE Uh, that was the earliest description that I found and also 
the description uh, of her as a shield. Mm. Yeah. So. Do you think that written story was like the trend of putting her on a shield? Yeah. I mean, we can't tell what came first, the story or the art, Mm. but that seems to have set off this main purpose of using her as a protective object. Gotcha. And then in 700 BCE, uh, Hesiod mentions that Medusa was human, unlike her Gorgon sisters, and she was, uh, well, he says that she laid down with Poseidon and became pregnant and their offspring sprung from her neck after being beheaded. Um, He also mentions that her head was used as a shield. So this was very, uh, this trend had taken hold for at least 50 years by this point. And in the 6th century BCE, a major component of Greek art was the use of narrative. So stories were already really important to the Greeks and it was incorporated into their art often. So you could see how these two different mediums would intertwine and influence each other. Mm -hmm. Throughout the 6th century BCE, Medusa is seen in a synoptic narrative style. And this is when multiple points in time are shown in one image. For example, Medusa's offspring were born from her severed head, but she is usually singing alive and carrying her offspring in her arms while running and with her head still attached to her body. So her story and image and uh, all the iconography were so well known that the Greeks could mix it up and be like, oh, well, you get the idea. You've heard the story. Huh. That's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. So that's 6th century BCE. She was already really well known. And in 490 BCE, that is when she started to become known as a symbol for the arts. Uh, Versace used Medusa as a logo. Mm-hmm. So that is a notable really recent use of her as a symbol of the arts, but we will talk more about that after a word from our sponsors. Shout out to our very first sponsor, Geeky Bees Nails. They made our Munsters and Masterpieces nail polish, which is selling super quickly, so get yours right now at their Etsy shop. I love our nail polish because I've always had a really hard time with sparkles. It either feels like really rough or chunky, but this goes on so smooth, like butter. It is super long lasting, very quick drying. I love it. It's some of the best nail polish I've ever had and I am obsessed with nail polish. So definitely get yours while you can. Yeah, and Geeky Bee Nails also has other nail polishes that you can get that are uh, fandom based. Yeah. So they've got like a Naruto collection. They have Plus Ultra. So My Hero Academia. Um, so check them out today. Yeah, they definitely 
have a ton of fandoms. They have a lot more coming out. They gave us a little sneak peek. So there's a little something there for everybody. And they are free of harmful chemicals and they are cruelty free, which I always love and appreciate. And you can find them on our website, on our shoutouts page. There's a link to their Etsy shop. Or you can go to etsy.com slash shop slash nails. So in 490 BCE, Pindar links Medusa to a form of music called the many-headed tune. (laughs) The many-headed tune. Yes. One of the many instances that Medusa has been connected to the arts, Pindar's poem was one of the earliest known writings that calls Medusa beautiful. Pindar also mentions that Medusa was violated after her death. Uh, after Perseus severed her head and turned it in, um, her head was raped by the son of Danae. Wow, rude. Right? What the hell? Some serial killer shit. Necrophiliac much. Yeah. Uh, real nasty. Um, and even though uh, Hesiod says that she laid down with Poseidon. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, all those gods are pretty rapey. Yeah. And there's definitely a version later. Ovid's version is the most well-known where he straight up says, like, yeah, she was raped. Damn. And I think that was kind of what uh, Hesiod was getting at as well, but just didn't use that terminology um, honestly surprised Ovid used that terminology because it was, like, the first century CE. Yeah, all those gods be raping. Yeah, they were all real creepy, especially Poseidon. Like, I thought Zeus was the worst one. Hmm. I could be wrong, though. I mean, Zeus was pretty bad also. Because he would, like, change form. Oh, yeah, that's true. He was He real would change into, like, animals and shit. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Like, that's how, like, the Minotaur that uh, guarded the, the maze. Yeah. He, how he was born is that he... Wasn't it that Zeus turned into a bull and then fucked this lady? And then the Minotaur was born. Oh, I mean, we can go into that in an episode. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 do that. <laughs> You're like, oh god, I didn't know. That. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. Um, all of the rapey artwork I've had to look at, it's always been Poseidon. Really? Yeah. Oh, maybe it's just because you're looking at Medusa stuff. It didn't come up in my Medusa stuff. I just mean in art history classes in general. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, in 413 BCE, these are all circas, by the way. Nothing is nailed down um, in terms of dates. So circa 413 BCE, Euripides states that Gorgon blood can be used to heal and kill people. The deadly blood comes from the snakes specifically and this supports the duality of female monsters where they embody like 
female, nurturing, motherly, uh, softness, helpfulness, servitude. But then um, she's also a cold hard bitch that can kill. She's still somehow the fucking worst. Um, so yeah, even all the way back in 413 BCE, I saw that connection. Isn't the human condition amazing? It is something. I'll just, <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, I guess amazing was a uh, wrong terminology. I would say it's something is, is very uh, <laughs> on brand. <laughs> It's something. So if we go to the uh, second image, figure two. Um, during the 4th century BCE, there was a time when uh, some artworks depicted Medusa as very human-like and beautiful. But this quickly came to a halt because it made viewers dislike Perseus, who was supposed to be the hero. This is why we start to see an overlap of artwork depicting Medusa with her iconic head of snakes dating from the 6th century through the 3rd century BCE. Like, yes, she is more human and she looks like she's in pain, but her pain and the snakes for her hair make her unattractive enough that people could justify her being slain. The Greeks were like... Portray anguish, but make it sexy. <laughs> so far, I haven't found a single topic where men haven't tried to make women sexy under traumatizing circumstances. <laughs> Even though there uh, was centuries of experimentation, the beautiful Gorgon didn't really take over until the end of the 4th century BCE. And if we you look at uh, figures 3 and 4, uh, those, uh, roof tiles are less than a hundred years apart, but you can see how they really changed mm. in such a short period of time. You have, uh, the archaic Medusa with the tusks and the teeth and no snakes and her tongue is sticking out, but then you have... Less than a hundred years later, you have Medusa with her head full of snakes, very human-like, no teeth, no tongue. Um, literally, the only thing that's different about her is her snake head, snake hair. But her face, her face also gets a little more round, and uh, there's been some theories that her head looks more round and puffy as time goes on because artists were trying to mimic the look of a dead person like what? how people bloat Ew. yeah um so yeah that might be why her face is round and kind of puffy looking that's weird yeah i I think her hair looks fabulous. Right? In like, image four. She looks very, uh, like, could be in a panting commercial. Right? With those snakes. So much attention to detail with those snakes. Such a huge difference in detail. And uh, less geometric, more realistic, more idealized. In the 3rd century BCE... 
we saw fewer snakes. There's usually two snakes in her hair and they entwine under her chin like a like jewelry instead of having hundreds of snakes making up her hair. And her wings are also shrunk to the point of looking like hair accessories. And uh, there's no more fangs and tongue sticking out. That's actually interesting about the wings because I didn't realize she had wings. Yeah, in the archaic images especially, uh, gorgons can fly. Huh. See, and I always thought gorgons were like water creatures. I guess I saw it more as like a sea serpent kind of creature, you know? Like a basilisk kind of yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're uh, definitely land-dwelling. They have fangs and tusks like I'm assuming they were modeled after a boar. Huh. And then they also are described as having an ape-like nose. Like, if you look at that first image... Um, well, yeah, see, the first image to me looks like a bat. A bat? Yeah. Oh. Those folds above her nose are supposed to be... Like, you know how some apes have those colorful noses with the ridges in them? Uh-huh. I think it was... it was That was the idea they were going with. Yeah, she looks like a bat. Like uh, like an Asian interpretation of a bat. Interesting. Oh yeah, I definitely or see like some Mesoamerica, some Asian influence in there. It does. It does. Doesn't it? Because of like for the time, it is surprisingly not as geometric. It is very curved and flowy. Yeah. See, this is like this first image makes me f- like it feels more like. Um, Eastern Asian, like, like from India, like Indian, mm. or like Thailand. Yeah, that makes sense. Sort of like artwork. Um, She's also bearded in this picture. Yeah, this and object. like the, the curls and the, and the beard and stuff. That's why I was like, this seems more like a bat creature, because I feel like either it's in Mesoamerica, like, so like, um, like, you know, uh, South America um, uh, mythology or um, Eastern Asian, I feel like they have some sort of god or some sort of figure in their mythology that is like a bat-like person. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm just comparing the two and they just seem very similar. Um, but I could totally be off, honestly. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me because the Greeks did so much trading. Mm-hmm. And um, when going through images of Medusa, there were so many different regions that had interpretations of Medusa. We had Greece, we had Italy, there was Germany, and there was Egypt. Mm. And I was real surprised about Egypt, but um, it was all from Greek colonies that had spread out and moved to other regions and brought the tail and image of Medusa with them. Well, you shouldn't be surprised about Egypt because of Alexander the Great. Right. Yeah, that is true. I don't remember if this predates... Oh, well, that maybe, or not. maybe. I feel like it did, and that's probably what surprised me. But okay. That makes sense. Yeah. 
Don't quote me on that. <laughs> so if you go to the uh, fifth image, this is a sort of funerary urn or jug that would be used at a, a grave site that has Medusa's image to ward off evil. She's got the wings on her head. Mm-hmm. Who does she look like? <sighs> I don't know. She makes me think of like cherubs or something. Oh. Isn't there another Greek mythology sort of like kind of like cherubs or something where they have wings on their fucking head? Or am I crazy? I mean, I know uh, wings on their head. I'm Googling this shit. Okay. Hypnos. Oh. Greek god of sleep has wings on their head. Interesting. And then there's also another dude. He's like the, he's the guy that carries the medical symbol staff. Oh. Okay. Kellis, I think. He has wings on his hat. On his hat. Well, it's interesting. Um, you said he's the god of sleep. Uh-huh. I could use some of that. Anyway, um, (laughs) you have the god who controls sleep and would you say hypnosis or is hypnotic? Just their name's hypnos. Oh, hypnos. Okay. I don't know much about hypnos. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. Also, I'm seeing artwork of um, Perseus with a winged helmet. Yeah, so in different versions of the story, he had winged shoes or the winged helmet uh, from the gods to help carry him away from Medusa. Hmm. Just chop off her head and skedaddle. Okay, let me look at Hypnos real quick. I feel like Hypnos and Medusa would have a lot in common because he puts people to sleep and she turns people into stone. God impersonification of sleep with wings on his shoulders or brow. So on his head. That's brow. His attributes included either a horn of sleep inducing opium, a poppy stem, a branch dripping water from the river Leith, or an inverted torch. Interesting. We should probably do an episode on him. Oh shit, he fucked Zeus. Oh. Okay. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> no, he put Zeus to sleep. Okay. Why the fuck did that? <laughs> it was like, you know how, like, I... It's like, oh, how the turns have tabled. Uh, well, it's like, you know, when you Google something and it's like, people also ask and said, why did Hypno sleep with Zeus? And I was like, oh, did they fuck? <laughs> And then I dropped it down, and then it was like, no, he put him to sleep. And I was like, oh, okay, never mind. <sighs> Sorry, guys. False alarm. <laughs> uh, I was like, wow, for once, uh, somebody was doing Zeus, and Zeus was not doing somebody else. I mean, I, correct, I mean, I could be wrong, but I could, I swear to God, there are some stories of Zeus fucking dudes also. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean... That was, uh... That man is a slut. And a rapist. (laughs) Yeah. To the nth degree. If you are... If you sleep around a lot, regardless of who you're sleeping with, that does not make you a slut. 
But because Zeus is rapey, I I feel like we can we can cast that stone at him. There's there's uh slut, like ooh, slut, and then there's like ugh slut, and he's like ugh slut. <laughs> right? Right. Also, like rapists don't get called sluts enough. No. They're just gross. That always that label always lands on the victim. Yeah. And that's not okay. So yeah, we'll have to we'll have to look into that uh Zeus uh slumber situation. Yeah. In an episode. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to go we'll have to talk about hypnos at some point. <laughs> um Sorry, derailed the no, conversation. No, 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 that's totally fine. This episode would probably be really short without <laughs> without it. <laughs> the derailing. The derail <laughs> the derailing. So this uh style where Medusa was very human-like. There weren't that many snakes, and her her wings were super tiny. Like she might as well have just been a human mm. by this point. Um, but this is the style that the Romans often copied in the common era because that was the the beautiful version of Medusa. Mm. Beg to differ, but right. I prefer all of her hair being snakes, but maybe just because I'm used to that iconography. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's a very powerful image, and not like powerful, scary, but powerful. Like, yes, bitch, work it. Like, slay them, literally. I know my hair looks fabulous and it's deadly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at me, or you'll turn to. Down, bitch. That is uh, the end of our BCE uh, artworks and stories. And in the next episode, we will pick up with Rome during the Common Era and talk about Medusa's most influential uh, story that has lasted until this day because we all identify with it so much. That's uh, part one of, of Medusa. Stay tuned for part two. <laughs> Coming to a airwave near you. In like one month. Oh yeah, because we have another episode in between. Yeah. Have fun waiting. Sorry about it. Hope you're looking forward to it. Sorry, not sorry yeah. about it. Yeah, I mean, at least it's a shorter episode, so you can, you know, don't have to listen for two hours. But, um, yeah. Thank you to our sponsor, Geeky Bee's Nails, The Abnormalist for our amazing music, and Eric Diaz for our audio editing and production. Um, we found out that our audio is being overly compressed so if you hear anything weird that is not his fault uh yeah we're 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 working through the kinks yeah we didn't realize that um when we upload our audio it gets compressed and then when you listen to it depending on what service you're using it gets compressed again and then that kind of undoes all of the hard work that eric uh does sound like shit yeah, 
yeah, so that is uh, something uh, we're all trying to figure out. But uh, hopefully this sounds uh, good and uh, no weird vacuum air conditioning noises like last time because we are <laughs> recording in my apartment and not our place of business that flooded and had a bajillion fans going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. See y'all next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.